Say it again. And do you know something? Think about this for a moment. You know, we talk about sowing and reaping. We talk about um, harvesting because of our actions and the just recompense and, you know. Can you imagine if everything we did, right, good and bad, but especially bad, we were to reap the harvest of it? We would all be in trouble, wouldn't we? But you know why we don't always reap the harvest of the bad things we do? Because mercy and grace interrupts the process. Isn't that good? Say thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm not getting what I deserve. But because of the name of Jesus, I'm getting what he deserves. Amen. If God will do it for Jesus... He'll do it for you. That is the reality in the revelation of functioning and praying in the name of Jesus and operating in that oneness with him. Amen? Because of him, whatever you ask the Father in my name, Jesus said he will what? He'll do it. Is it because of you? No, it's because of him. Hallelujah. Well, praise God forevermore. Let's go to the word. Father, we just thank you right now for the Holy Spirit who is our teacher that leads us and guides us into all truth. We acknowledge him and we thank you that you are directing our paths into your word today. May your word have penetrating power in our hearts and lives and may it bring forth more of that transformation, more of that sanctifying work that needs to be done in us all so that we would come even to the place of being glorified in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This series that I'm beginning today... I'm titling it, Christ is your life. And particularly today, that you would, that there will be an awakening that will take place. Where you will awaken to the reality of Christ in you. And that reality of Christ. Amen? And that we have a greater comprehension and revelation uh, of Christ. Now, so in Colossians chapter um, Let's just pick up chapter 2, verse 20. It says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to the ordinances? If ye be dead with Christ. Now, first of all, is Christ dead from the rudiments of this world? If you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, the touch not. I mean, Christ is not governed by what the world thinks and what the world feels. He's not governed by what it looks like. He's not governed by touch not, taste not. He's not governed by any of that. Because he, Christ, is dead to the world, is he not? And if we be dead with him, we are dead with him too. The rudiments of this world also. 
So we do not function by the world's standard and the world's rules and regulations, but we function in Christ by the laws and the principles that govern that life of Christ. So it goes on to say in chapter 3 and verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, not only are you dead with him, but if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For you are dead. This is the logic. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. But you are also alive with Christ and risen with Christ. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Now we know Christ is at the Father's right hand. And then verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Verse 3, For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life is hid with Christ in God. And if your life be hid with Christ, I think God is good. If God hides your life in Christ, do you think the devil can find it? No. Amen? The Bible says in first epistle of John chapter 5 verse 18, He that is born of God sinneth not. He doesn't practice sin. He does not live in separation from God. But he lives in that oneness. And he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the evil one toucheth him not. He keepeth himself. He keepeth himself in Christ. He keepeth himself in him. He keepeth himself in the love of God, and God is love. And the evil one toucheth him not. Toucheth him not. Because he's hidden. He's hidden. And God is the one that did the hiding by the faith of his operation, and the wicked one can't find you. Amen? Jesus says the evil one cometh, but he has nothing in me. John 14, 30. There is a place in Christ that God wants us to live where we are literally untouchable by the enemy. Where we have complete and total victory. You are, your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life, your whole life, all of your future is found where? In Christ. Say in Christ. Now you see, Many times when we think of Christ, we think about the, we think about power, and that's okay. We think about the gifts of the Spirit, and and, and so on. And but this is not this, this is not limited to the gifts of the Spirit and the power and all of those things. It's talking about the whole of your life, the whole of your life, including your future. The whole of your life is hid with Christ in God, who is your Father. Amen. Amen? Now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Now thanks be unto God, who always, say always, always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now you notice many of these verses, and I will emphasize that as we go along, it's talking about Christ, Christ, Christ. There isn't even a mention of Jesus here, and that will come up, we will address that. But Thanks be to God who always, always, always causes us to triumph in Christ. Do you know that if, if according to that, God always causes us to triumph in Christ. If there is one single time that a believer does not triumph in Christ, 
then God is a liar. Then that scripture is not true. Amen? So if there is a time when any believer, you, me, or any believer does not triumph, it must be because he's not functioning in Christ. Are you with me? Now think about that and then recognize the fact that God is saying your whole of your life is in Christ. Therefore, it is, it is so important for us to comprehend, understand, and learn to function in Him. Because as we do, it will become our testimony. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Alright, so we need to get a, a, a greater comprehension and revelation of Christ, so to speak. Turn with me to um, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So let's get some comprehension, some insight, some revelation, some, a greater understanding of Christ. Say Christ. Christ. Now Christ is not just is not Jesus' last name. Now sometimes it's good for me to say that just so as to get your attention and to shift your thinking. To not be thinking in, the, in that traditional religious mindset. But rather so that we become open to what the Lord wants to reveal. The comprehensions that we need to have so that we can more effectively function in Christ where all our victory is. In Christ in whom we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen. Matthew chapter 16, you know the story. Um, Jesus had, had set, set his disciples in about verse 13. Uh, when Jesus came into the course of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, and they said, some said, you are John the Baptist. Some said, you are Elias. Some others say, you are Jeremiah or you are one of the prophets. And then Jesus said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, I know there's been a lot of discussion as to what this rock is. The, the rock and the revelation knowledge and hearing from the Father. We also know, even going back to the old covenant, that the rock is Christ. Say the rock is Christ. The, rock is the very foundation of the church. It is the very strength of the church. It is actually the building material as well. You know why it's the building material? The Bible says you and I are living stones, is it not? But the essence of your life is Christ. So, going back to verse 16, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. Now, if we were to go to the Greek, it, was, it, it speaks about Christ as the anointed. And the anointing has to do with smearing and, and rubbing and, uh, you know, consecrated a specific office. So the issue of the, 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 issue of the anointed, but let me come back to that. Let me just take what the scripture says here first. It says, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's open up our hearts and minds and let the Lord enlarge us, enlarge our thinking, so that we could run with Him. 
that Christ is the son of the living God. Now let me ask you something. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you received Jesus as Savior and Lord? Well, let me ask you the next question. The Bible says as many as receive him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. So are you the son of the living God? Yes. Are you a son of the living God? Yes. Come on. Christ, the son of the living God. So that's an aspect of this comprehension. The son of the living God. You are a son of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But now are you the sons of God. All right. The issue of sonship is connected up with Christ. Say Christ. All right. But it also says Christ. They anointed, they anointed, they anointed. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says, How that God anointed, the anointing, that smearing, that rubbing on. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, that man, Jesus of Nazareth, anointed him with what? The Holy Ghost and power. With what? The Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So this anointing, this, this empowering, this, this anointing, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, sorry, Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had what? Anointed, anointed me. So this anointing, which is Christ, this anoint, this Christ, which is the Son of God, this anointing is, has to do with a rubbing on with the Holy Ghost and power. So the Holy Ghost and power is connected up and is part of the comprehension of Christ, say Christ. And don't forget, that is your life. Colossians 3, 4 says, Christ is your life. And it says the whole of your life is in Christ, is hid with Christ. With the anointing, with the Son of God, with the Holy Ghost and power, the anointing. The one whom God, because the Holy Ghost is God, is he not? Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. So it's like the, the one whom God has anointed, it's like God has put himself, clothed, it's like clothing Christ or is like a clothing, but he is the clothing. The Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost and power. That is the reason why it says in John chapter 3, verse 34, that Jesus spoke the very words of God, and that he and, and that God did not give him the Holy Spirit with measure. Which means what? The Holy Spirit, Jesus received the Holy Ghost without measure. The unlimited supply of God himself, he was clothed with. Say Christ. Christ. Now the word of God also says, that as for you and me, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21, now he which established us with you in Christ in the anointing and had anointed us is God. 
is the Father. He who has established you, planted you, hid you, placed you in Christ, in this in Christ, and has anointed us is God. Say, I am anointed. But what is that anointing? Christ is anointing. It's the Son of God. It's the Holy Ghost and power. It's God and His power. Hallelujah. It says in the first epistle of John chapter 2 and verse 20 that you have an unction from the Holy One. First John 2, 27. The, the anointing that abided in you, it calls it. Say, I am anointed. You see, you're going to have to, I, I, I mean, as we go through this, and we begin to see it, and we begin to awake to this reality, we're going to be faced with some decisions. We're going to have to decide, well, all right, if this is the whole of my life, what do I have to do? Does it, do I have to change my thinking? How should I think? How should I talk? Should the word of Christ dwell in me richly? Right? Should I now have the mind of Christ? Should I now think like Christ? Should I now let my... Should I now... Think on the level of the anointing. These are decisions we're going to have to make and it will determine our life. It will determine our future. It will determine the victories we end. It will determine whether we triumph or not. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, so this anointing is, is, is the Son of God, this, the anointing, this Christ, it is, it, is, um, it is that rubbing on of the Holy Ghost and power. But look at this verse of Scripture, verse 20, chapter 1, verse 24. Now you turn as fast as you can, if not, you can just listen. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse, no, First Corinthians chapter 1, sorry, verse 24, says, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So Christ, the anointed one, Christ, the Son of God, which is your life, is the power of God. And is the wisdom of God. Can you imagine that? If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Christ is our wisdom. Right? First finish chapter 1. Let's flip to verse, verse 30. Drop down to verse 30. So that anoint, so, it, 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 so Christ is wisdom. Christ is power. Christ is the Holy Ghost and power. Christ is the Son of God. First finish chapter 1, verse 30. But of him. Are you in Christ Jesus? This time it mentioned Jesus. But, uh, but, but of him are you in, in, in the anointed one, Christ. You, you are in the anointed one, Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Well, we already found out from verse 24 that Christ is the wisdom of God. So Christ is made to you Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So here we've now expanded this comprehension of Christ. Christ is wisdom, is righteousness, 
is sanctification, is redemption. Now these things are going to matter when we start looking at Christ and you the hope of glory. When you start looking at I can do all things true, Christ that strengthens me. Because now, when I look at I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, it is saying to me, I can do all things just because I'm the Son of God. It is saying that I can do all things through the anointing. It is saying that I can do all things by the wisdom of God. It is saying I can do all things because of the reality of redemption. It is saying that I can do all things because of righteousness. Amen? Say righteousness. I'm going to zero in on the righteousness one. Righteousness, oneness with God. The essence of righteousness is oneness with God. Jesus ahead, we are the body, which we two are one. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 30, he says, I and the Father are what? One. Say one. one. I and the Father are one. In John chapter 17, 22, and praying for the church, Jesus says, Father, the glory that you have given me, I've given them that they may be one just as you and I are one. Just how? As, as, he said, as you and I are one, that they might be one in us. That we would be one. This issue of righteousness is an issue of oneness, among other things. It is also right standing, which means freedom from guilt and shame and, 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 um, and, and um, inferiority and condemnation. It is also rights and privileges because you're a son of God. It is also authority. And all of that is connected up to the fact that you are, it is this oneness that you have with God. So, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, and you can listen to it. It says, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This spectacular, good, perfect, better than good news of Christ, the anointed one. Be the good news that you are now the son of God. The good news that you are now the righteousness of God. Because he was made to be sin, that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That we might be made, come into that oneness. It is that oneness that you have with God that is the hope of glory. Hello? So he says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God when we found that out. Christ is the power of God. Unto what? Salvation, wholeness, deliverance to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But why is it the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes? Verse 17. Because for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. This oneness with God, this freedom from condemnation and insecurity and inferiority and guilt, this place of having the authority of God and of Christ to function in this earth and rule over the enemy and rule over the environment, rule over the circumstances, and have dominion. He has given us abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that we might reign in this life by one, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So this righteousness is about oneness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, this oneness that is the hope. Well, think about it. 
With God, how many things are possible? With God, how many things are possible? All things are possible. Well, here you are functioning in oneness with God. So all things become possible with you. All things become possible to them that believe. Because believing puts you with God. Righteousness brings you into that oneness. So here you are, Christ in you. That oneness with God, that is your hope. All things become impossible. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. No wonder it will say in Isaiah 54 verse, verse 14, where, where it says that in righteousness shall they be established. And they're going to be far from oppression. Why? Because they shall not fear. In righteousness, they're going to be established. They're going to be established, anchored, rooted, and grounded in this oneness that they have with God in Christ, in this sonship, in this anointing. They're going to be established in Christ. Amen? And God says he wants us to mature and to grow up and to come into the full measure of the stature of Christ in Ephesians 4, verse 13. That's a little bit further along. All right? Say Christ. So we have verses like Colossians 2.10, which says, you are complete in Christ. You are complete and entire in Christ. In another place, I think it's Colossians 3.11, it says Christ is all and in all. He is all. He's everything. Now, if you recognize that Christ is all and you are complete in Christ, why then should you be, as it says in Colossians chapter 2 and um, verse 8, if you are complete in Christ, entire, wanting nothing, then Colossians 2 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. After the elementary teachings of the universe, all that new age stuff and a bunch of other stuff. Why, don't let, why, why would you allow anyone to spoil you and, and, and to pull you off track and to, and to confuse you and, and, uh, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ? Because after all, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. He is absolute oneness with God. In fact, in Christ, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He is all and in all. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you. In meat or drink, whether you eat pork or don't eat pork, or in respect of a, of, of a holy day, or of a new moon, or a Sabbath, aren't you keeping the Sabbath? And if, don't let it, don't get all tangled up with that, because after all, it will go on to say they are but a shadow of the things to come. But Christ Himself, He is the substance. Now let me ask you something, right? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, if my wife is not around. Or, or, or she's not close enough, then I could, uh, uh, you know, she's over there, but there's a little bit of light and there's a shadow, right? And, and so I might try to fellowship with her shadow, but does that really, what, should I continue to fellowship with her shadow or a picture? Okay, let's say I have a picture, she's not wrong, and I have a picture. You know what I mean? That's the shadow. So she's not there, and I'm looking at the picture. But if she's there, let me ask you something. Should I go hugging the shadow? Should I? Are you with me? Yes. So if the Sabbath and all these eats and meats and drink and don't drink and this and that, if all those things are shadow, don't have the shadow. 
You've got Christ. Are you with me? And because Christ is the fullness, the fullness of God that dwells in him bodily, and because you are complete in him, and the reality and the revelation and the comprehension of that tells me that I'm free from all of the rudiments of this world. And if you be dead with Christ, I ought to be seeking those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the Father's right hand, and where my life is hid with Christ in God. The whole of my life is not subject to people. Amen? Amen. All right. Therefore, if any man is in, he's what? Because, you know, when he gets into Christ, he becomes one. He comes into this oneness with God. That's new. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. But let's continue. Let's back up back to Colossians 3, verse 3. For you are dead. And your life is in with Christ in God. Let me examine that phrase. You are dead. You are dead. Now let's, let's, let's get spiritual. Can we get spiritual? Can we? We're in church. <laughs> Amen. Let's get spiritual. Let, let, let's think, not by the letter, but let's think in the spirit. The Bible says you are dead. If we were to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and it says, You are, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, you are spiritually dead in your selfishness, in the nature of the enemy do dominating you, walking out for the prince of the power of this world. You are dead in darkness. Verse 5. Verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved you, even when you were dead in sins, he quickened you. He made you alive together with Christ. And he raised you up together with Christ. And made you sit together with Christ. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What do I mean you are dead? You are spiritually dead. And then because you are spiritually dead, here's what happened. Here's what God did. Let me show you this operation. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 12, it says, Colossians 2 and verse 12, verse 11, And whom also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. And what happened? You were buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who had raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had he made a life together with him. I'll put it all together in a moment, okay? But hold that thought, okay? The faith of the operation of God that did what? According to Romans chapter 6, what did he do? In Romans chapter 6, it says, read it from verse 3, don't you know that as many of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his death. And therefore, not only were you baptized into his death, but you were buried with him by baptism unto death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, you were in him, you were raised up together with him. You were made alive together with him. So now you ought to live like somebody who has been raised up together with him and made a life together with him. Amen? Let me put it this, explain it this way. First of all, think of the word baptize as tie-dye. And it really is a better way of looking at it. Tie-dye, which is to say, uh, and you know, when we were growing up and you, know, you had these DVD white t-shirts and you would um, tie them with some strings in some various spots and then you would put that white t-shirt 
in, in, a, in a pot with, with, with some kind of dye, blue dye, red dye, whatever. And then after it dries and you take it out and you dry it. And then when you take off the string, you have these little marks in it. But once you tie-dye that shirt, you cannot undo it. You cannot reverse it. Amen? So you are baptized. You are tie-dyed with Christ. It's like here you are, dead in your trespasses and sins. And Jesus went to the cross. Christ went to the church. Christ, the anointed one, the, the anointed Christ Jesus, went to the cross. And God placed you, let me put it this way, with your dead self in Christ. Tie-dyed you together with him. And then by the faith of the operation of God. Now this is spiritual. This anointing is spiritual. Even this sonship is somewhat spiritual. So he placed you in Christ. You, and you were not dead with him. And when Christ died, that old man died. And you were buried with him. And when Jesus, you still tie died with him. That means you went to hell with him too. We can prove that in another time. And when he was raised up from the dead. You were also raised up from the dead. And when he was made alive and born again himself, he, he, and he was the first begotten of them that sleep, you were also born again. And so you were raised up with him. Resurrection. And then you ascended with him. And you went and you sit on the Father's right hand. And your life is now a born again life. You're now a son of God, having Christ as your life. And you're seated in Christ and you're on the Father's right hand. Are you with me? So that is what happened. So Romans chapter 6 will go on to, to make the argument. For if you were planted together, that's verse 5, in the likeness of his death, you're going to also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified, dead, with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed, so that henceforth you don't serve sin. Because he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, etc., 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 so you are dead with Christ. So again, just so that you can capture the spiritual aspect. That you are dead with him and see it spiritually. And at the same time, recognize you are raised up. And now Christ is your life. Christ is your life. It, it says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. It says, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, by the way, who through the eternal spirit, how? Through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. How did Jesus offer himself to God? Through the eternal spirit. Through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from every dead work that you might serve the living God. In the same way this was done through the eternal spirit, it is through the very spirit of God, it is through this dimension, the faith of the operation of God, the Holy Ghost was part of that, the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost and all of that stuff. And in this tremendous operation, God took you with, with being dead, placed you in Christ, you were crucified with him, buried with him, resurrected with him, made a life together with him, sat on the Father's right hand, and now you have his name, now you have his life, now you have his promises, now you have his authority. And you have the full application of his blood. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. The blood of the one who, has, who, has, who himself said, I and the Father are one. The blood of that 
of Christ, oneness with God. But if it's the blood of Christ, oneness with God, yes, it was Jesus' blood, it was Christ's blood. But you see the connection of God in the blood? Do you see that? Think about it. Amen. Hallelujah. So you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians goes on to say in verse 4, Now Christ is your life. So even when it says, And your life is hid with Christ in God, It's like it's tie-dyed. You can't separate it. Right? Your life is in Christ. You know what I mean? It's all tie-dye there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen? Glory to God. Sealed by the Holy Ghost. After that you believe, you are sealed by the Holy Ghost. No devil can break that seal. What we got to do is stay in Christ. Learn how to abide and function in Him. And He will always cause us to triumph. Alright. So it says, now Christ is your life. Colossians 3 verse 4. Now when Christ who is your life shall appear. When Christ who is your life shall is unveiled. When Christ who is your life becomes apparent, becomes evident. When that, because the Christ is in here, he needs to come to the outside. But Christ is your life. When he appears, there's going to be some glorification. But that's, that's going to be the functioning that we got to get to. But for right now, what we know is Christ is your life. Say Christ is my life. No, we got to take this stuff for real. This is, not a, this is not some figurative thing. This is, this is it. This is the reality. Christ is your life. Christ is my life. I am a son of God. I am in one of him. Christ is my wisdom. Is made unto me wisdom. Wisdom, sanctification, etc. All right. Galatians 2 verse 20. Let me just work, work this a little bit. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, You are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, well, it was with Christ that you were crucified, wasn't it? And buried with him and all of that? You were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. But you know what happened. You were raised up with him. Nevertheless, you live. But it's not you. It is Christ that lived in you. And the life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. The life that you now live, it is the life of Christ. And you live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen? That scripture says the same thing. Christ is your life. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, um, He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. One, singular. First Epistle of John, chapter 4. First Epistle of John, chapter 4. Somebody said, why are you using all these scriptures? Well, the Bible says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amen? God will magnify his word above all else. First verse of John chapter 4 verse, and besides it's given for our knowledge, for our understanding, so that we can transform our thinking. Glory to God. In this was manifested, 1 John 4.9, the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world and here's the phrase that we might live through him that we might live through him the Amplified says 
so that we might so, uh, so that we might live through him. Now, if you go check out some other versions, it will basically say, so that we might live through him, so that we might live the life that comes through Christ, which is the life that God had planned for us from before the foundation of the world. Amen. Second Timothy 1 9 will prove that. Amen. And maybe let me flip over there just for a moment. Second Timothy chapter. So that we might live the life that God had planned for us from the foundation of the world. So that we might live the life that comes through Christ. The life that comes through Christ is the life of Christ. Isn't it? What is the life that comes through Christ? It is, it is the life of Christ. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who had saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not according to our background, not according to our history, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. When? Before the world began. But it is now made manifest by what? The appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. The unveiling to, the, to appear, to unveil, the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Which does mean the coming of Christ in terms of him coming into the world. But it also means that this purpose, this grace, and what God, uh, and the calling, and all these things that God has for you, planned from the foundation of the world, the purpose, they come into manifestation as Christ that is in you begins to be unveiled, and as he begins to be made manifest, as we begin to acknowledge and function in him. That's why it will say in Colossians 3, 4, that Christ, when Christ who is your life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in what? Glory. That's why it says in 1 John 3, verse 2, verse 1, Now are ye the sons of God, and it does not yet appear, it doesn't yet unveil what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And there's a here, now, and a, and a thereafter. Because it's a transformation that we are going through, but when Jesus comes, whether we go and meet him, or when he comes and gets us, whichever comes first. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says we're going to be glorified, which means what? Every part of our being will be exactly as his. God said, God promised it. He says, look, I've begun a good work, and I'm going to what? Finish it. Amen. So even if you mess up along the way, I'm not telling you to mess up. <laughs> but even if you mess up all the way, you still got this promise. That when Jesus, Jesus shall appear, you shall be like him. You will be glorified. Romans chapter 8 talks about that. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say Christ is my life. You see, this was the whole plan of God from the very beginning. That you would have the life of his son. That's what Jesus meant when he said in John 12, 24, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. In other words, I'm going to remain a single person in this body, and I can only be where I am, whether it be in Jerusalem or, 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 or Capernaum or, or Samaria. I can only be in one place at one time, but I'm going to go into the ground, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise up back, and I will reproduce myself, and I'll become many seeds. And then wherever you go, I'm there. Wherever you go, I'll be there. And you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I will go to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, the Bible says, the Bible says, we are to be trees of what? Righteousness planted by the Lord. Isaiah 61 verse 3. Trees of that oneness with God. 
And then, you see, mango trees produce what? Mango. And the mango is the proof of the kind of tree it is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what would be the fruit of the trees of righteousness? righteousness. Ha, ha, ha. Something that looks like Christ. Are you with me? Say, Christ is my life. Christ is my life. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, 23, that we are the body of Christ. The fullness of him that filled it all in all. We are the very body of Christ. Think about that for a moment. Because you see, in that body dwells the very fullness of him. I didn't, I didn't write that. That's what Ephesians 1, 23 said. In that body dwells the fullness of him. Well, we are the body of Christ. Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 and 7, where he says, a body you have what? Prepared for me. And then he went on to say, I have come to do thy will. This body that he prepared for him, it wasn't just that body that went to the cross, yes. But now this is the body he has. We, the church, the body of Christ. Amen? Christ eons. <laughs> Amen? The anointed ones, the sons of God, the trees of righteousness, oneness with God, the wisdom of God in every place. Hallelujah. And the issue about this body is that it is to do his will. That is why now, when we want to bring Christ from the inside to the outside, and when we start talking about functioning in him so that we can always triumph, the issue of surrender, total surrender, in ever-increasing measure, sanctification becomes a big issue. Jesus says, my meat is to do what? It's to do the Father's will, John 4, 34. Amen? All right. Okay. So, why am I saying all of this? So that we would awake and there would be an awakening. Be, there, there's an alarm that would go off in our thinking. That we would awake to the reality that Christ is in here. Christ is my life. No wonder greater is he that is in me. Greater, you know, it's like, you know, it's like here you are, you're sleeping. And then somebody come and just dump a whole bucket of ice water. Bam! On you. You wake up. And then when you wake up, you have these big floodlights beaming down at you. You know, like the ones you have in those stadiums? Right? In a football stadium? But it's right there in your face. Do you think that will wake you up? <laughs> well, the Bible says, awake to righteousness. First Corinthians 15, 34. Well, we understand righteousness. Christ is made unto us righteousness. So it may as well have said, awake to Christ. Awake to the reality of Christ and stop coming short of the glory. Stop living as if you're separated from him. Because sin is separation. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. So awake to Christ. Awake to righteousness. Awake to, 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 to Christ and stop coming short of the glory. And stop living in that place of separation. But live in this place where your conscious awareness is on one with him. Christ in me. The life of Christ is my life. Living in that place. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 2 says God was not satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats because it was just a continual reminder that the problem wasn't solved. Because the worshippers that came had this consciousness of sins. And God says that was not enough, good enough. 
But when the Jesus was offered, and when his blood came and purged us from every dead work, amen, then the Bible says that now the worshipers can have, can come and approach him boldly, bold and confident in Christ, coming through the blood, having no consciousness of sins, no consciousness of separation, but being established in that righteousness. God wants us established in that reality. Amen? In established in that oneness, established in that righteousness, established in that place. No shame, no, no guilt, no insecurity, no sense of condemnation. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. Christ is head over all things in my life, in the church. He's all in all. So it is that awakening. This is to bring us to this place where we've got to be awake to this. We've got to be, develop a consciousness. It means then that we got to think differently. We got to think on the level of, the, of Christ. We got to think on the level of, of the anointing. We got to think on the level of, of, um, of that oneness that we have. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Right, it's okay then. I think it's okay. Um, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was what? In Christ. In other words, bring your thinking up to the place where it is in agreement with the mind of Christ. Think on the level of Christ. Think on the level of you are one with him. Think on the level of the righteousness. Think on the level of, 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 um, of, of you are the son of God. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, all the promises in who? Are yes, yes and amen. Let that be. Let that take over your thinking. Ephesians 3 verse 8 speaks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 verse 11 speaks about the fact that you have obtained an inheritance. Think, think, think another level. You see, Here's the thing. The Bible says in, in, in a, let me put it this way. Your mind functions in two ways. There's two ways in which your mind functions. One is your memory. And then the other is your imagination. Your memory <laughs> is about the size of this room. But your imagination is the size of the universe. And as a man thinketh. So God says, now, let this mind be in you. Think on the level of the anointing. Think on that level. Think on that level of Christ. That's what I'm saying. Because you see, at the end of the day, your thinking is going to be the limiting factor as to how much of Christ you're going to actually walk in. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might what? Prove what is God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. And that word prove means allow. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and yet let your thinking line up with the mind of Christ so that you might allow God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. That is why it becomes absolutely necessary to meditate in the Word of God. 
That's why it becomes necessary to renew our thinking. That is why we got to let the words of Christ dwell within us richly. Amen? Amen. Let me just, on, on this segment, let me just kind of wrap this up a little. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Let your conversation, your lifestyle, which means your thinking, your speaking, your, your attitudes, your actions, let them become consistent with the good news of Christ. The best news for humanity. Let your thinking, your speaking, your attitudes, and your actions, let it adhere and be in harmony and rise to the level of the good, great news of Christ, the news of this oneness that you have with God in Christ. And because that is the case, because we got to come to that place, there's, there, there's resolutions, there is that we need to make. There are decisions we've got to make. We've got to decide as we awake to this this reality of Christ that this is what I want. This is why, I, this is why I'm born. This is why I'm here. And therefore, I must go through this renewing process in my mind. I must do what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 6, where it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, and they put in number of strongholds and imaginations and high-mindedness. And bringing every thought into the captivity and the obedience of Christ. Letting your thinking come in line with that, with, and rise to that level of Christ, that oneness. Amen. Amen. Philippians 1, 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And this, we got, we got to come to that place. We have to make that shift. We've got to make that shift. And that's what we need to do. Colossians 3 verse, verse chapter 3 verse 1 says, because of all of this, if you are risen with him, set your affections on the things which are above, not on the things which are beneath. Where Christ, your life is hid with Christ in God. Are, are, are you hearing me? No, there are things to do. We do have to learn how to function. There are some stuff, but, but I'll tell you this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ that governs our life, and their laws, we're going to learn them, will make you free from the law of Sin and death, sickness and disease is underneath the law of sin and death. So in other words, then if we can function effectively in the law, if we can function effectively in Christ, then the dynamic of that life is such that it will make us free from sickness and disease and the law of sin and death. And even as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, right? Then even to the point where as that life is manifest, <laughs> The Bible says, what does it say? Um, death shall be abolished. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. You believe this? Amen. Does this make sense to you? Amen. You want more of this? Yes. Don't you want this to be your reality? This to be your testimony? He always causes me to triumph in Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. Amen? Amen. Now we've just begun. 